Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. What's in a name? What's in a date? The times in which we live... Right now, the end of May, the beginning of June, the closing of spring and the opening of summer, all manner of exciting things are taking place. But in point of fact, there's really only one thing, one event, one matter of overwhelming import that affects everything else, that impacts everything else and everyone else. Yes, again, there are many things going on. There is the NCAA Women's Softball World Series. There is the French Open Tennis Championship known as Roland Garros. And in a short amount of time, there will be the Latour de France Cycling Championship. And apparently, there could be this momentously important summit between the leader of the free world, that's what it used to be referred to, the President of the United States of America, Donald Trump, and the despotic, vicious, ruthless, thuggish, murderous, communist dictator of little North Korea. Now, our president seems to think that this is of great importance, this summit that may or may not take place. I don't quite understand the thinking there, but he has said the following very recently, quote, while many things can happen, happen, and a great opportunity lies ahead potentially. I believe that this is a tremendous setback for North Korea and indeed a setback for the world, end quote. Setback referring to the summit not taking place, being canceled by Kim Jong-un, Kim Young-un. A tremendous setback for North Korea, And for the world. Well, the president is continuing to seek to bring this momentous event about. But what is so momentous about it? Really? Other than vastly increasing enlarging, enhancing the image of Kim Jong-un and North Korea and helping our president 
to be awarded with a Nobel Peace Prize. Other than those things, what is the enormous, great significance? This potential, this great potential. In another place, the president referred to great potential from this, great potential gain, again, for this vicious, murderous family business communist regime, which has enslaved, starved, destroyed, terrorized the people of North Korea for the entirety of the family business existence, going on seven decades now. And for the United States of America. (laughs) How does this provide some great potential for gain, not just for North Korea and the United States, purportedly, but the world at large? Well, of course, the president is inferring that this is going to help ensure peace in the future for the people of the world. What nonsense. Again, this is a slave state that is a satellite slave state creation courtesy of the communist regime, the bloody communist regime of China, And the former Soviet Union communist regime, now the Russian Federation totalitarian dictatorship of Vladimir Putin. Another event that is coming up, of course, is the FIFA World Cup soccer tournament, pardon me, which will take place in Russia, a feather in the cap of the former head of the KGB or number two of the KGB, depending on which way you view it, and FSB. But this is just window dressing, people. What really matters is what is approaching us worldwide. And what is coming is worldwide regime. The question is, and you know, it's debatable as far as who's going to be in charge of the regime. And what flavor will that regime be? And I understand that people can differ on that. Hopefully, so long as they understand that this is what's coming, that this evil is coming, and not to be oblivious to that. 
as the free world was oblivious to the coming Nazi Reich and its war to attempt to seize world power. And as it was oblivious to the ambitions of the Soviet Union and so forth. But whether it happens to be fascist, that flavor of socialism, or Islamo-fascist, or some might say communist, Regardless what flavor it is, its intentions are evil. And those who are behind this, some of them have been around for a long time, a very long time, like the likes of Dr. Kissinger and, dare I say, Prince Philip. And others are much, much more recently on the scene. But the plans and the purposes, the plottings and the schemings, the conspirings, this grand conspiratorial complex... The focus, the target, is to bring about a one-world regime that will, in point of fact, crush the world, enslave the world. And I have it on no less authority than the Bible. But interesting similarities in certain places. Father's Day, so-called, is around the corner, isn't it? Which I have nothing against. Paying some honor to fathers. Mother's Day past, paying honor to mothers. Mother's Day, interestingly enough, is celebrated in the same month as May Day. Which always makes me think of Dear Mother Russia. (laughs) Meanwhile, Father's Day is almost here. Makes me think of the Fatherland. Nazi Germany. And they have some common history between those two. Yes. Going back to Karl Marx. The father, if you will, of communism, of socialism, communism. And thereby fascism as well. What a productive fellow that Karl Marx was to gender socialism, communism, fascism, and so forth. 
the Russian czarist regime in the process of fighting for its life, this monarchy, this nobility, which people at various points in time throughout history have been very enamored of monarchies and of royalty, such as all of the fascination focused on the latest rendition of the royal family in Britain. A focus that has been especially keen this past month, but which I fully expect will only continue to grow. Well, the czarist regime, which has been you know, damned down through the years, through the decades, for ages now. On average, and this was at the the worst of times, on average, I heard tell that 17 people were executed per, I don't want to overstate it, but I'm going to say per month. Could have been per year, so I may be doing a, a terrible injustice to the czarist government, monarchy, regime. But if that was so terrible, oh my word, just so monstrous, that of course it needed to be overthrown, violently, murderously overthrown, and replaced by the people's movement, right? By the, this great groundswell, grassroots movement for the people, for the common people, for the little people, for the great unwashed masses, for the oppressed peoples of Russia. So Lenin came to power, but before he came to power, he was helped along. Rather remarkably, he was helped by none other than Germany. That's right. In 1917, the German government allowed none other than Russia's communist, Bolshevik agitator leader Vladimir Lenin to travel through Germany from Switzerland into Russia. And in March of that year, the czar was overthrown from the Russian throne. And in November, a Bolshevik regime was in place under the fist of none other than Lenin.
courtesy of Germany. And of course, Hitler and Stalin, Uncle Joe, Joe Stalin, Joseph Stalin, his pseudonym, and Adolf Hitler, they had a non-aggression pact in place until... until Hitler was so emboldened, so full of his great successes, that he imagined that he could take on Russia and very quickly overthrow it. So at that point in time, he broke that non-aggression pact violently and had his troops invade Russia. Now, Adolf Hitler was not a man to lead from the front. He was no Alexander the Great. He was always great at sending men to their deaths and later boys as young as 13 years of age. But, and elderly men and what have you, but uh, yes, he didn't believe in getting out there and hazarding himself, even though he supposedly could not be defeated, (laughs) had himself worshipped as a god, and yet uh, seemingly feared for his life. (laughs) In fact, he did. And he had body doubles and spent two years plotting his escape from Germany. While he did not allow any of the German people to have any evacuation plan, even though destruction, it was known, would come. He expected them all to die for him. And help him make his getaway. Well, he succeeded with that. But Putin came to power in a way that is remarkably similar to that of Hitler. Hitler used a very weak form of government to enable himself to take power. He took advantage of it. He exploited it. He attempted a violent revolt. He failed. Sixteen of his followers died. And he was put in jail for a little while. His wrist was slapped. He penned Mein Kampf. He came out of jail vastly more famous than he went in. He was helped along at every juncture by those who hated him, despised him, viewed him as an exceedingly dangerous man. But then he was put into power by President von Hindenburg, who absolutely 
despised him, loathed him, and exceedingly distrusted him. But he allowed himself in his old age to be persuaded by powerful rich industrialists and others and political leaders to elevate Hitler to the role of chancellor. And Hitler seized on that opportunity. So he came to power at the end, the very end of January, beginning of February 1933. And just a short time after he was in power, he had his thugs, his goons, his terrorists burn down the Reichstag, the parliament building. And blamed it on the communists, who were something less than a savory group (laughs) on the whole. (laughs) You know, pick your poison. Socialists or communists, if you want to call them, over there supposedly on the left hand. And then the socialists or fascists, supposedly on the right hand. Take your pick. Well, he was clever. He was clever shrewd and he had them burn down the Reichstag and blame it on the communists and claim that the communists were using that event to trigger nationwide revolution violent revolution so he used this sham this fiction, as a pretense to round up all of the communists and slaughter them. Come March 23rd, March 24th, he engineered by hook and crook. He engineered the passage of the Enabling Act, which granted him temporary plenary powers, temporary powers, with which he ruled with an iron fist for four years while doddering President von Hindenburg continued on as president. In a ceremonial capacity. Well, Vladimir Putin, good old Vlad, Vladimir Putin. And by the way, this only took a period of 52 days from the time he was placed as chancellor. 52 days. Talk about a blitzkrieg. That was a blitzkrieg that outblitzed any blitzkrieg that would come thereafter. 52 days. He made himself the dictator of Germany. Even while von Hindenburg continued on ceremonially as president. 
Resistance was futile. Those who opposed the Nazis disappeared. They were brutalized, tortured with steel whips and electric drills, slaughtered torturously. Well, Vladimir Putin enjoyed a similar ascent. It was like Hitler's. It was more than one stage, and I've left out so many of the steps there for Adolf, but Vladimir Putin got himself employed. I don't know that he had anything to do with it, honestly, but courtesy of a top KGB official who recommended him just for lack of anybody else to recommend because he was not impressed with him, but nonetheless recommended him to the mayor of St. Petersburg who picked him to be his right-hand man because he needed a KGB man in his corner. Vladimir made the most of it to the detriment of the people of St. Petersburg, his hometown, his home city. And he used every opportunity to empower himself, to enrich himself. But ironically, it could have been his demise. So when there were great shortages in St. Petersburg of everything, but of all food and drink, he saw to it that funds that were to be expended to bring in food and drink for the masses, for the great unwashing masses, that those funds were diverted mysteriously, disappeared. One woman who was on the city council and who decried it and who blamed it directly on him got to him a bit. And he got the mayor to disband the city council, to eliminate it. And she continued to speak out against him, against Vladimir, until her dying day, at I believe the age of 72. Interestingly enough, the mayor lost out on re-election. I think very largely because of what Vladimir did there. But then if I'm not mistaken, that mayor was also assassinated point blank. Perhaps no connection to Vladimir, but I can't help but think that maybe there was connection. This was a man who had been a professor for Vladimir when Vladimir was at St. Petersburg State University or whatever it was called in law school. Well, Vladimir's next stop was to be picked by Boris Yeltsin to help him out at the KGB, the FSB, 
at this time. Plugged into the FSB where he had never been of any stature or reputation. And now he was brought right to the top of the organization of this massive, massive, massive secret police organization. And then he was elevated from that to be the prime minister to President Boris Yeltsin on the premise that he would protect Boris Yeltsin from prosecution for corruption when Boris Yeltsin stepped down, retired, resigned. That's why he was brought in, was to keep Yeltsin safe from prosecution, to protect Yeltsin and his daughter, (laughs) who had her hands in the till. And Putin proved himself with regard to helping out Yeltsin's daughter, so that was good enough. He was on his way. And lo and behold, in a matter of weeks after he became prime minister, he became a household name throughout all of Russia and the former Soviet Union. A man who was unknown to the people before that. And how did that happen? Well, an instance very similar to the burning down of the parliament building in Germany, the Reichstag. Only this was the blowing up of apartment buildings in the middle of the night, resulting in the deaths of multitudes of Russians. In Yes... Unthinkable that, of course, that the uh, state police would be involved in this, even though their main occupation for decades had been spiriting away and torturing and slaughtering millions and millions and millions of Russians. But, But Vladimir, he prosecuted those whom he blamed for this. whom he claimed did it, just as Hitler claimed the communists had done this terrible thing of burning down the Reichstag in Berlin. So, too, Putin blamed the Chechens for blowing up these apartment buildings. And he prosecuted them via the military, waged war against them, and made a name for himself, became famous, and then was brought into the presidency by landslide. This hitherto unknown man, in a matter of weeks, very similar histories, Adolf's and Vladimir's, two men who were without distinction, undistinguished men 
who came to power so suddenly, so dramatically, thanks to these terrible incidents taking place in in considerable part that enabled them to gain their dictatorial powers. Well, during the Nazi reign in Germany, an interesting thing took place. Before I go on with that, let me just mention that I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and good and true about this program, within this program, is thanks to God Almighty and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And whatever's wrong and lacking is due to me. But during the reign of terror of Adolf Hitler, there was an Olympics, Berlin Olympics, Summer Olympics in Berlin, 1936. And Germany won the most medals. It was 80-something, like 87. And the United States of America won the second most, which was 50-something, like 53 or 56. But during the period of time that the Olympics was held and that people came from around the world, not just athletes and their coaches or even just their delegations, but journalists from around the world, interesting things took place. Foreign newspapers were to be found readily throughout Berlin, which had not been available for years. The hotel keepers and employees and the restaurateurs and the restaurant staffs were all commanded to provide the very best service the most gracious, generous service to these people visiting the shores of Germany from around the world. And lo and behold, the journalists, when they went home, when they went back to where they were from, many of them reported on the, this fantastic place, this Germany and this fantastic leader, perhaps the greatest leader on the face of the earth, some of them reported, and that they had never been treated so well as they were treated in Nazi Germany. And they made a great show of freedom of religion and so forth. Played down the militarization, even though it was still unmistakable, And then once these were gone, then that happy face window dressing came down and this murderous regime marched on.
Well, we just had an Olympics over in Korea, South Korea. And it was genuine. It wasn't a sham like this. But there was a nation represented there that engaged in the very same thing that Adolf Hitler engaged in. And this was none other than Kim Jong-un's, Kim Jong-un's delegation headed up by his sister. And their cheerleaders and what have you. Putting on a face of North Korea being peace-loving, peaceful, free, and all of that. Very thinly disguised, mind you. They managed to get the Korean Olympic Committee to allow them to cover all of the windows of all of the bank of rooms that they had with North Korean banners so that nothing could be seen in any of the rooms. And they kept a very careful watch on their athletes not and cheerleaders, not that they needed to, because they were hand-picked, hand-selected from the best families. <laughs> you know, the families that were the most loyal Communist Party regime members back in North Korea. And also, with all of them, the cheerleaders and athletes, knowing that if they dared to defect, there would be monstrous repercussions for their family members. But there was another Olympics. In addition to that 1936 Summer Olympics in the fatherland, Nazi Germany in 1936, there was a Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia. And Vladimir Putin used it for similar purposes. And I was a bit surprised, frankly, when he made the extremely aggressive, violent, vicious, ruthless military invasion of Ukraine that he did because I thought, why is he going to throw away this goodwill that he went so deeply in debt to generate. But honestly, I think that for the most part, most importantly, the Sochi Olympics, more than to the world's peoples, was for political purposes at home. political purposes which were not undermined by attacking Ukraine and seizing Crimea and so forth, and, and having some various 
members engage in all manner of things, uh, shooting down civilian airliners. And preceding this, repeatedly attempting to assassinate Ukrainian democratic leaders. And following that, subsequent to that, assassinating other leaders in Ukraine who had gone to Ukraine from places within the Russian umbrella who were leaders of resistance against Putin. Not attacking Putin personally, but resistance against his regime enslaving Russia. And the nations comprising the former Soviet Union, which were enslaved courtesy of the free powers following, immediately following the end of the European theater of World War II. Our president, President Trump, the same as was true with President George W. Bush, had very good feelings about Vladimir Putin. Forget his track record. Forget anything and everything, not that you or I know, but that they know, courtesy of their most high-level security clearance daily briefings on what is known about what is going on within the Russian Federation. Forget that. You know, just consciously put aside your disbelief and embrace this idea, this optimistic idea, wanting to believe the best about everybody, that he's really a fine fellow. Well as the former head of the FSB, KGB, in charge of all operations and everything else, is it possible that this man is more of a gangster and thug than a diplomat? Is that a possibility? I don't know. We have had George Herbert Walker Bush as vice president for two terms in the United States of America and as president for one term. And he was head of, director of the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency in the United States of America, for a comparatively brief time. And ambassador to communist China and what have you, but... It's not that Vladimir was in charge of the FSB, the former KGB, for all that long. Because the lengthy period of time in which he was an agent, he never rose to high level. 
but he was an operational field agent, case officer in Germany, <laughs> but not in a happy place in Germany, okay? Not in Bonn. <laughs> he wanted assignment to the U.S., but not to Rome, not to Paris, not to Bonn, not to someplace like that, no. But instead to East Germany, back then, before the fall of the Soviet Union. But then again, got to be in charge of the FSB, the former KGB, before being elevated to prime minister and then rapidly taking over as president, a.k.a. dictator. But our president believes, has believed, wanted to believe the best about Vladimir Putin. Amazing. Despite all the wealth of information. (laughs) And he wants to believe the best about Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un. Despite all the wealth of information about him. And so is bent on elevating and enhancing the image, the reputation of North Korea and dictator Kim. Now, Adolf Hitler, Vladimir Putin... They took advantage of very weak forms of government, parliamentary governments, akin to Great Britain, akin to the Western powers in Europe, to seize control, and then instead of governing, serving, as weak prime ministers or weak presidents, they seized dictatorship power, dictatorship for life power. The United States of America has a comparatively strong form of government, and every time that we get one that is the likes of Bill Clinton, Hillary Rodham, Clinton, Barack Hussein Obama, Lyndon Baines Johnson, Jimmy Carter. Those powers are greatly enhanced. They were greatly enhanced operationally under Richard Milhouse Nixon, who expanded the federal government dramatically, added departments, agencies, which would change the landscape supposedly in a good way, but which in fact grew the federal government and its reach and its power over the American people. Even while he was involved in doing his Nobel Peace Prize winning attempt, <laughs> attempted Peace Prize winning uh, activities 
such as embracing the bloody red communist regime of communist China and engaging in detente with the bloody red Soviet Union. The regimes which were responsible for the deaths of multitudes of American men and the maimings and mutilations and blindings, cripplings and burning and destruction of multitudes of American servicemen in Vietnam, in the Vietnam War, but as well as previously in the Korean War. But the United States of America's republic or democracy, if you prefer, federal republic, it is a strong form of government comparatively with strong leader. The president has great powers, but of course, His term of power is of limited duration, right? (laughs) Limited duration. Only, you know, can only be in power for eight years. Well, George Herbert Walker Bush was in power for 12, (laughs) if you count his terms as VP. And Barack Hussein Obama could be in power for 16, and Bill Clinton could be in power for 16 if, their co-presidents, Michelle Obama and Hillary Rodham Clinton, become president for multiple terms. They could effectively be presidents for 16 years, which is longer than Adolf Hitler got to reign over that thousand-year Third Reich. Well, we can look forward to all manner of terrible things, unfortunately. And the people of Germany as a whole have been damned. Those who did not support Hitler. Those who despised him and the Nazi regime. Those who were against him. They have been damned for lo these many years as cowards for their failure to oppose him. Fascinating. We really should apply those sorts of criticisms to ourselves. When Hitler came to power, not only did he have a large, powerful, vicious, ruthless, murderous, sadistic band of cutthroats all around him, an army of them, but he swiftly saw to it that all of the citizenry were stripped of their weapons, absolute gun control. (laughs) 
was instituted. All of the citizenry were stripped of any means of protecting themselves, let alone of attacking or taking on the Third Reich. And all who did anything in opposition were monstrously, viciously persecuted, rounded up, tortured, slaughtered. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.